0: Welcome to the HC Insider Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the commodities sector and the people within it. I'm your host, Paul Chapman. Today we continue our discussion on clean hydrogen, this time focusing on its role in transportation. What is the state of the technologies? What's the state of the infrastructure? And what are some of the things we can expect over the next decade? Joining us to discuss is Cody Bateman. Cody is the CEO of Gen H2, a startup company focused on clean hydrogen and solutions around the transportation sector. Cody an entrepreneur and had a 30-year career, including being a management consultant, an engineer, and is even a rocket scientist, having worked on projects with NASA and the Department of Energy. Cody, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have this discussion. We're talking about clean hydrogen and its role in the transportation industry, before we sort of dig into some of the technologies and some of the, the challenges and, and so forth, can you just give us an overview? Why is hydrogen now considered to be an important part of the energy or the, the, the transportation world over the next decade?
1: Hydrogen is the most abundant element in the universe. It also is the element that has the most potential for providing power and energy to us in the future. What we really like about hydrogen, what we focus on it, is the output is so incredibly clean. So it's not just that it's extremely powerful, but the output of hydrogen when used in a fuel cell, our basic output is just distilled water in hot air. And so it it fits multiple solutions that we're looking for to drive the economy going further. So the, the true output. Of the of these fuel cells and you know a lot of people talk about burning hydrogen i want to be very clear that it's not truly a fuel it, it doesn't really actually burn we actually go through a fuel cell which we have a electrochemical you know solution there that produces this the electricity so the ultimate output is not an explosion and combustion like an engine but it's it's electricity and that electricity then comes out and we store that electricity for use and of course that can be done in everything in transportation, like in cars, uh, boats, uh, things like that. But it can also be used in exciting different ways, like data centers, a backup of uh, electricity. So you can think of hydrogen as liquid electricity, and that's how we like to, to look at it. It's just a way of storing a massive amounts of power in a very small contained area. And that's one of the things that we've been focused on you know, specifically for more than eight years is how do you harness that power and how do you maintain that power long-term and then when needed, it's immediately flipped and then turned into electricity, which is used to drive almost everything.
0: Yeah, it's kind of this, um, it's an incredible fuel if, if the outputs are water and uh, and, and energy, the obviously hydrogen uh, I, this is new to me but it has been around for quite a long time in the transportation industry can you just take us back to you know how this sector got started the hydrogen fuel cell and how it's changed over the years and particularly i guess what what's happened in the last decade to mean that this is even a you know is now a, a relevant and live discussion
1: yeah this is actually my favorite question to answer because uh there's, there's a lot of controversy how far back you want to go to actually look at the when the first fuel cell was in, invented back in you know 1845 by Sir William Grove. But I actually like to go back to uh, uh, my childhood days and reading these books by Jules Fern. So he actually had a novel back in the 1800s called The Mysterious Island. And at that point, he was talking about using hydrogen as a, as a source. And as a young child reading that, I was just like, how is that even possible? And then, of course, you know, I started reading other books by Vern, about 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and, and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the concept of using hydrogen as an energy source for transportation goes way, way back. And it's exciting that that those thoughts are now reality and we're coming back to it. So. Uh, Like I said, there's a lot of different answers to this. Uh, Of course, we work a lot at NASA, a great group. NASA started using hydrogen as a fuel source in 1958. You can go back to that, but it's realistically – you know, you have to look at the economy where we are today, and where we're how we're using hydrogen today is significantly different than what was envisioned even back in the 1980s or so. So, it, it, it it's a it's a hard decision to say exactly when did it start. But the key is that the the this big push has been going on for you know 20 or 30 or 40 years now, and. The concept of having, you know, hydrogen-powered transportation has really, really caught on. And honestly, you know, being aware of the environment where we are today is, has put a big push on this. So realistically, as you can go back to the 1800s, I typically like to go back 20, 30, and 40 years and look at the strides made by this. Some of the this really cool work was done by some Russian um, scientists that I looked at back in the early 80s. But realistically, the last four or five years is really the critical years. And you saw the same thing true in solar energy. We saw the same thing in wind energy. It takes those first people to go out, visualize what the solution will be, and then actually start working toward it. We're very fortunate that the Department of Energy and uh, even the state of California has made a a significant investment in trying to take this to the next level. So that's why that's why if you go back, say, realistically, 10 years ago, we really started pushing this
0: and moving it to where it is today. So you've got this confluence of the commercial and environmental pressures as well as the technology side. What's happened on the technology side over the last decade? I mean, we're we talking fuel cells are getting smaller, more efficient. What can you help orientate us as to actually what's happened in – in particular, in the technology piece?
1: oh, all, It's all over the board. And that's one thing I really am so excited about, this new hydrogen economy that we're in, because it's advancing on all fronts. And so, you know, it, it's great to have these new fuel cells. Actually, I had some great meetings yesterday with some uh, leading experts uh, in the industry. And, you know, just a fuel cell by itself and the improvements by itself are not enough. You know, so you look at the fuel cells, you look at, the production of hydrogen, you look at the transportation of the hydrogen, getting it to the vehicles so that it's, uh, you know, that you have a full infrastructure in place to make it viable. And so what's, what's so exciting that has happened in the last 10 years is that we're no longer just focused on the fuel cell. And there's a number of companies out there, great companies making these fuel cells They get more and more efficient. Well, what we're doing is on the other side. So what we do at Gen H2 is very exciting is that we're trying to finish up and close the loop on the infrastructure side. So uh, once again, we've, we have talks with these companies that are building this, the semis that everybody's uh, familiar with, as well as the, the cars. And so, you know, they can't go anywhere unless there's, there's ample fuel. You can't just have it uh, laid out. And that's a little bit more complicated than people would think. We're so used to, Gas stations, you know, big tanker trucks show up, they fill up the, the tanks of gas, and they're good for a week or so. Hydrogen is a little bit different. It's a little bit more difficult to store, transport, and everything. And that's really the code that we've cracked and uh, we're most excited about is, is closing that loop. And so we're talking at Gen H2 on having the, uh, having the fuel or the hydrogen at the right place at the right time for the right you know the right abundance for these cars, and then also seeing how it's going to grow over the years. So unlike some infrastructures, like a, a water line you'd put in or electrical line, you turn it on, you just turn it on and off it, as you can see fit. Hydrogen's a little bit different, and so you know having the proper amount of hydrogen in the right place is not as easy as just pushing it down the pipeline. At least most of the places in the United States, it's not that way. So it's a uh, it's you have to look at the big picture. Everything from fuel cells. The production of hydrogen to the storage of the hydrogen, and then, um, you know, long term other ways that it can be used.
0: So, before we, I, I, I want to sort of move on to what you think the, the future is in a little bit, but just staying on, I guess, the development of hydrogen because it does feel very like this has hit the zeitgeist in the last year. Everyone's talking about it. There's it is fascinating from an economy standpoint, as there's something for everyone, as we've said on previous episode involved in the energy value chain because whether it's producers or whether it's uh, consumers one thing i want to ask is you know obviously i remember hydrogen from the hindenburg um, <laughs> yes and did that really stop the development of it i mean what what uh, it just seems fascinating to me that we are kind of it's only now really being explored and exploited when jules verne is talking about it as a great fuel source you know 130 years ago
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting that the question of the Hindenburg always comes up, obviously, that what is a little known fact is that the Hindenburg had already done 10 successful transatlantic flights between Germany and the United States at the time. So it was pretty much a proven resource. It it worked really well. Uh, They actually had no problems with safety or anything with the Hindenburg. It was just interesting on that sad day in New Jersey many years ago that everybody immediately assumed that the Hindenburg actually crashed and uh, exploded due to the hydrogen. Well, there's a big study done in 1997 that very few people like to refer back to because you like this, this concept of this giant explosion, all this, this hydrogen igniting. And what the study came out to be, that it was really a weather-related static electricity uh, discharge. And what it ignited was not necessarily the hydrogen, but it was the silver color, you know, the canvas exterior. The resin they used on that was actually the key ingredients we used for solid rocket fuel at NASA. So it's, uh, it's really the, that, that lining and uh, the, uh, the covering really, which caught fire. And of course, if you have an airship, you have a hole, uh, then it's, it's definitely gonna come down. Now, given the fact that hydrogen was the key source that, that did you know, make it a little bit worse, but it wasn't a giant hydrogen explosion that that caused the Hindenburg to come down.
0: Interesting. Okay, so moving on. Obviously, the biggest competition from a, a decarbonization standpoint in transportation at the moment is batteries, is electrification of transportation. You've already noted a couple of other challenges with with hydrogen about transportation, in particular, on you know being ready on on site at the at the right time. It's a big topic, but I I love. I think we'd all enjoy trying to understand a bit more about the pros and cons of hydrogen against electric vehicles and how you see that competition playing out and in what segments, various whether it's EV or or, or hydrogen, will, you think will win.
1: Absolutely. So. What's interesting about this, and it's probably going to be the key thing to be taken out of this uh, this interview, is that almost every hydrogen vehicle is an electric vehicle. and that that's very, very important to understand because there's been significant advances in these uh, you know the full battery electric vehicles like Tesla, uh, the the hybrids which you have a gasoline engine which creates electricity which goes into the battery, where the hydrogen fuel cell, vehicles are more similar to a hybrid car than people and typically think. So we actually use the fuel cells. The fuel cells create electricity. That electricity is then stored in the battery. So any advances in battery technology, any advances that, that Tesla and other electric car manufacturers are making on the drivetrains and how the, the actual vehicles work is actually helps us as well. So the the question is, then, where is it a pure electric vehicle better than a hydrogen vehicle or vice versa? So obviously, we do believe, uh, looking long term down the future, that there's always going to be these electric cars because it's so convenient to be able to take your car in, plug it in overnight, be done. But for certain longer travels and stuff, you don't really want to wait you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes to refuel or to re, you know, charge your batteries. And so in cases like that, we have hydrogen that you can fill up and there's new hydrogen vehicles out there now that go a thousand miles. Uh, so we're getting the range there. It's almost impossible to do that with a battery. The other issue with the batteries, of course, is is the weight. And so where uh, where hydrogen vehicles come in, we can make significantly lighter cars, therefore getting better mileage per charge that you get. So there's it's a nuance. It's going to be a blend. We do believe, though, if you look at other forms of transportation, especially long haul shipping, that is where hydrogen. I, well, not just me, a lot of industry experts believe that is really the, the huge, the true future of hydrogen as is a, a energy source, because those large semis we're starting to see, you know, heavier loads, uh, safer loads long-term, and that can only be done with hydrogen. It's the, the concept of a battery operated semi-truck is great for short hauls uh, or inner city movements and stuff. But uh, if you're going from Jacksonville to LA across Interstate 10, you, you'd probably be better off using a hydrogen powered uh, vehicle.
0: Yeah. And I guess just briefly touching on that, we're talking very much about road transportation here, but does the same go for shipping maritime as well as uh, rail?
1: Absolutely. So it's it's funny you say rail because one of our clients actually has what they call a land train, which basically is a semi that can pull multiple trailers using hydrogen. And we've got the, the power to do that, which is exciting news there. Uh, other trains, uh, definitely. We could definitely do uh, hydrogen on trains as well, but uh, it, it's amazing that you're bringing up the, the the maritime use because it seems like more and more we're getting calls on liquid hydrogen solutions, primarily for ferries and boats and everything else like that. And most of those are European based. Uh, we had meetings on that yesterday as well. Everything uh, seems to be going toward that that uh, that direction. We're actually under a a DOE contract right now to come up with some maritime solutions. So we do believe hydrogen goes everywhere, not just on on land travel, but definitely uh, on boats and rail. It's also very exciting. Our our sister company, uh, MetaVista, is doing work with drones and this long lasting drone powers uh, of flights that we'll be able to pull together. You know, the use of hydrogen in airships uh, Possible. Uh, we've actually have seen those. We actually have some designs for that. That actually goes back in history too, where we had some jets that had two regular jet um, engines and then one hydrogen engine as well. So it's going to be a. It's going to take time, but the good news is the rapid invet- advancements we've seen in just in the last two or three years is going to make a lot more of this a reality sooner than later.
0: So I want to get into Gen H2, but I think uh, our listeners are going to be fascinated in in your career because you've obviously worked with, you mentioned the Department of Energy, with NASA, and you are a bona fide rocket scientist. Can you just talk about your background in hydrogen and, and how you ended up launching Gen H2? Oh,
1: yeah, actually that goes way back. This is a great story. Just, if, if you want to go to the what led me to where I am today... Uh, it all started back in 1970 when I built my first little rocket kit. And the interesting thing too is to look at some of the engineers that I work with. Uh, my chief architect, James Fessmeyer. It's funny he and I built the same rockets from you know the Estes model rockets. Uh, it, you know we're a thousand miles apart, but that that same vision of of you know
0: building rockets and and using different types of energy sources. I launched I launched an Estes rocket with my son. Uh, about a month ago so we, oh wow, we, wow. We, we immediately lost it in the forest but uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad but you know it's really neat now
1: they actually have uh hydrogen powered rockets too that uh, you can test and, and fly at home as well safely but uh, you know it's it's that that vision i think it's it either you, you had it or you didn't but the people that all the lot of people i work with started having this this concept of energy sources. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, cars and trucks, but being able to build rockets and be able to build things that uh, can, they're exciting and new. Well, interesting, that led me to my first job at Texas Instruments in 1985, when I started doing work for the the um, DoD, and that actually included uh, you no know, real rockets. My first one was about four and a half feet long, the TOTO missile system, and it went on up to you know 25 feet long, which is like the Harm missile. And so, working with missiles and working with additional flights, a lot of those were, were solid propellants. But it just it's a it's a step thing. How do you get bigger and bigger and bigger Then when you get to a place like NASA and you're looking at large scale rockets? You're definitely starting looking at liquid fuels. And of course, when you're looking at uh, power in a liquid format, there's nothing more powerful than hydrogen in liquid format. So it's just it's a logical progression to go from, you know, the little Estes rocket that you and your son did all the way to large scale you know, rockets and going to the moon and, and now soon to be going to Mars. So it's just the vision of it. It's understanding how the basic principles from one thing can go to another. And that's one thing that we're all excited about. Uh, most of the people, or about half the people at Gen H2 uh, either work for NASA uh, directly or as a consultant. And what we're trying to do is harness all that great information, all that great technology and put it down into commercial use now. And that's what the team's so excited about is that we're so focused on doing one-offs, you no know, a single rocket here. You no, know, luckily SpaceX now has got the, the rocket manufacturing launching down to an art. But what we're hoping to do is take all this great technology that we've learned and actually commercialize it and put it out there in the real world. So it's no longer just a space art, you know, it's no longer just space science. It's actually something that people can touch and feel every day. And we're seeing that a lot of the people that we talk to that already have hydrogen cars are the the truck stops we're talking to. That they're, they're very excited about having hydrogen filling stations for the, the semis and stuff. It's that excitement. It's, it's something new. And then on the same side, you have the individuals that are very concerned about the, the environment and they're starting to see, OK, not only is this you know space technology, not only is it really cool, but it's very, very clean and the environmental impact is, is very minimal. So the the oil and gas industry, you know, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So the question is, is how can you take that same petroleum energy and harness it in a different way, in a cleaner way? So that uh, we can continue to use that, but also uh, help on the environment as well. So it's a it's a it's a long answer, but it all ties into the the vision. And there's a lot of people have different visions for different reasons, but ultimately it all ties back to something like hydrogen, which will be a very clean energy source for the future.
0: Mm. So you created Gen H two. Can you help us understand? I guess what problem is that company attempting to solve?
1: Yes, actually, I'll, I'll say it was a team effort to get Gen h two going. There was about eight of us that that pulled it together, but the the problem we're solving happens to be the same problem that we saw at NASA, right? it's It's one thing to design a transportation vehicle, either a car or a rocket. Uh, a lot of time and effort has been focused on you know optimizing engines, optimizing fuel cells, optimizing, the way hydrogen can be produced. But as, as you create all these vehicles, which people can touch and feel, those have now gotten to the point now that the rest of the infrastructure has to be put in place. And so, Gen H2 uh, is the first company that I'm aware of, at least, that is looking at a an at a end-to-end solution for a filling station. So currently, there's 42 operating stations in the state of California. They've just, uh, put out grants for several more over the next two or three years. But those stations are stations where you have a big, you know, tanker truck go reload those on a daily basis. And you have people then that just focus on the tanks, focus on the dispensers, you know, focus on the signage, but they don't look at the end to end solution. So gen H two is looking for a total. Program.
0: And you mean by that, just, just to, the, you know, of course, and this is, you know, I've discussed this previously, the minute you're tanking hydrogen in is the minute it's no longer clean hydrogen, right?
1: That's correct. That's correct. It's uh, it's very blue and uh, starts going back to, you know, dirty hydrogen fairly quickly because you are shipping it in. You're using fossil fuels to get the hydrogen there. So Gen H2, what our goal is and what we're working toward is having stations that we generate the hydrogen on site. And that's 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 really what we think is critical because a lot of the cost of hydrogen today is on the shipping and uh, getting the, the hydrogen to those stations. And so we're going to develop a system. It's called SMR, steam methane reformer, that we actually generate the hydrogen on site. We then have a new storage solution that can be in gaseous or liquid format. But the key to all this and if you look at SMRs, typically people worry about carbon capture, right? So you're you're using uh, natural gas basically to create your hydrogen. So that actually produces a significant amount of CO2. And so there's companies uh, like Exxon that have spent, you know, tens of millions of dollars coming up with solutions at a large scale. Gen H2, we have three different solutions we're looking at at doing carbon capture on a small scale. So to make this whole thing work, to make it as green as possible, carbon capture is really the the trickiest piece of the whole piece, of the whole puzzle, and we do believe that we have some solid solutions on that. And some of those are photovoltaic. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we do have a, a patent that we're, we're using from NASA that we're doing advanced research on where it actually uses solar cells. And it, what's great about that, so the solar cells then create the the power and then we can run the CO2 through it. It's a, it's a fairly complex uh, you know physics model, but it converts a lot of the CO2 back into methane, and that then gets fed back into our SMR and reused and re off. So that's one of the three primary technologies we have that we're working on.
0: Yeah. So zooming back out, you've got this – obviously you've got the the more fertile commercial environment for for hydrogen itself recognition of its very powerful fuel that it would be key to decarbonization you've got the improvements in technology around the fuel cell itself i think it's fascinating that you know we're more likely to see a hybrid of the ev and the, the hydrogen car than we are perhaps both being discrete segments the real challenge is as i understand it from you is is okay now we need to build that infrastructure around it so that consumers, customers feel comfortable buying hydrogen fuel cell cars, so that semis can trust that they're going to get refilled at the right place. What do you, I guess, what do you see, and on a global basis, I think is, what do you see over the next three to five years from hydrogen's role in, in transportation?
1: I think it's to do nothing but grow in size. Once the infrastructure is in place and people are confident, like you said, that they can go distances and have you know readily available places to to recharge or refuel their their vehicle is going to be critical for this. And so, like on the truck stops, you, it's it's very feasible that very very near future, the next three to five years, you start seeing truck stops where every two to three hundred miles, there's hydrogen filling stations for people to use uh, inside the cities the same way. And the interesting thing to note is, you know, people ask us about, you know, are you competing with this company? You're competing against that company because there's, you know, two primarily different ways to to create the hydrogen. And the answer is, this market is booming so fast right now that honestly, I don't think anybody is really competing with anybody. I think if everybody right now had their full solutions, and it was everything was a, a go, uh, there's the space is so huge and the potential is just amazingly huge that uh, there's plenty of space to be out there. And what I like about all the different companies I like about all the different ways to generate hydrogen, different ways to store hydrogen, is the fact that everybody's working on this is constantly innovating. I mean, a huge portion of our company is on innovation and innovation alone. And that's why I've got some of these, the the NASA guys uh, employed is because of the fact that you know, every time we build a new system, a new station, and we're we're moving to mass production so that we can get more stations out there more readily. But as we do this, we're tweaking it. We're saying, aha, and nobody's ever seen this before. Uh, we work with a, a couple of companies and we're doing some research for them. And util- it is, it's amazing to have these aha moments. It's just like this stuff has been around since the 1800s. And just this week, we come up with a new invention or a new idea that people have thought about before, you know, the concepts about out there, but all of a sudden now it's in your hands and it's in the lab and it's working. And then we take it to the next stage and we, you know, put it in the prototype shop, build a bigger model and it works. And it's, it's just so exciting for those of us in the industry to see how the, it's not simple steps, but major leaps forward in the technology and how it's being used. And the more companies we have focusing on all aspects of the hydrogen economy, uh, the more exciting it's going to be. So it's going to be a great run over the next three to five years. You're going to see some major, you know, significant advances, not only coming from our company, but uh, numerous companies in the hydrogen economy. And so and you're starting to see that actually in the stock market, right? You see companies that are publicly traded and how people are really wanting to invest in this because you can see it, you can smell it. it it's, it's, it's there, you know, and, uh, it's, it's amazing that even the common layperson that doesn't really think about going to the gas station and getting gas put in their car, I mean, it's just something you just do going to work. But now you have people in California, especially driving these Mirai's and they're starting to see more stations come up and people are starting to realize, Hey, that's a hydrogen powered car. And so it's, uh, it's just an amazing time to be in this environment. It's, it, I'll be honest; it's very similar to the .dot com. You know, I did some .dot com work back in the early '90s, mid '90s, and you saw that excitement. What's the? What can the internet bring us? You're starting to see the same thing now with hydrogen. The interesting thing is with hydrogen, is that it's uh, it's not all fluff. This is this is the real deal, and it's here to stay
0: yeah and again, I keep saying it it's got something for everyone it's it meshes it's so congruent with the existing infrastructure. it's good for power generation and utilities it, it's got you know the oil majors and producers themselves gives a new life to to those hydrocarbons. Can you give us some sense of scale in terms of transportation and, and where you think hydrogen will be going and and also, I mean, on the demand side, are the major car manufacturers have they got plans to release hydrogen fuel cell vehicles? in 2021 where, where are we at on actually me being able to go get a hydrogen powered car next year
1: uh, maybe next year is tough uh, there's already a number of uh, hydrogen vehicles you can buy uh, most of those are, are can only be sold in uh, say california but what's really leading the charge on this is more and more companies are using hydrogen for things like forklifts and, and light duty lifting. Uh, equipment. So you're starting to see that to be nationwide. It's, a, it's the same, but a little bit different. But you know, those are catching on because people want clean environments, of course, inside of warehouses and everything. And just the pure power of the hydrogen is showing that it's got benefits above and beyond what people initially thought they were. So that we're, 2021 is going to be a pivotal year. I think you're going to start seeing a lot of companies like ours to uh, start hitting the market with new technologies. I've seen some really great acquisitions just in the last month where larger companies are looking at this. But you know, to your point about the car manufacturers, I don't know of a single car manufacturer that's not looking at some form of uh, a hydrogen powered vehicle at, at some point in time. It's in the, in the plans. They may not tell you that, but you're, you're starting to see that. I mean, even companies like Ford, GM is doing it. BMW, we've been working with BMW for many, many years. Uh, understanding on their on their cars, so you're going to start seeing more cars, and it's going to look like a standard sedan. You also have the supercars, which I really like, but you're going to start seeing more and more companies announcing that they're putting their toe in the water because that is the future, right? So we you talk about what's the date? So you have a lot of states, you have a lot of countries, and they all have this hydrogen 2035 goal. So 2035 is really not that that far away. And so the question is, how do we achieve that goal? And is it actually possible? Now, honestly, some of those projections, I think, are, are very optimistic. But the only way to get there is to get this excitement going now and get these new company startups going, new technologies out there, advancing it. And like I said, the advancements just in the last two or three years are remarkable, not just by us, but by others. So it's, it's going to grow. It's going to be significant. Uh, will, you know, we all be driving hydrogen cars in 2035? I think that that's not even close to being uh, a reality, but you know, will there be a significant number of cars out there? And the answer is yes. I mean, just look like at Tesla. Nobody thought there'd be this many, you know, electric, you know, pure battery-powered cars on the market today, and uh, it's an exploding market. So people want this. It's a great vision. People do care about the environment. People do care about you know the kids and long term where where everything's leading, and it, it's going to start here. It's going to start, uh, you know, heavily in the United States. It's going to grow across Europe, which Europe's already looking like, like we said earlier about ships and 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 rail and other options with hydrogen. So it's just going to be an incremental growth, but it's going to be uh, pretty much you know exponential growth,
0: I believe, in the next few years. Yeah. It's fascinating as well, isn't it? I, I think um, I've mentioned this before. I, I find it quite an interesting dynamic in that we we can kind of predict what the future is going to look like. Some of the challenges just getting there, right? Is, is organizations investing, technologies being invested in, the, the infrastructure being invested in to get us there? And it's going to be you know fascinating to see who are, is it going to be the oil majors and the major producers, or, or is it going to be other entities? What can we, you know, Gen H2, what do you expect from Gen H2 over the next couple of years where are you at, at the moment and, and what's the journey
1: yeah we're uh, we're very very fortunate we have a, a couple of clients that are that have invested in our engineering in our research helping us get a shot in yarn. most of the technology we have is is proven technology so we're not out there doing something that's a uh, bleeding edge per se we're actually taking proven technologies that we've used at NASA and other places and retrofitting them and making them the proper size size you know scale fit uh production limits everything else like that so we're taking a bunch of of these proven technologies we're site right sizing them we're building the prototypes and we have a very clean plan for next year 2021 where we'll be building in between 3 and 5 of our first stations and we we're, we we kind of hesitate to call them prototypes because the prototype would indicate it's brand new and hasn't been done before. They're more likely uh, just the the setups for us. The the first ones that will be going out are the ones that have been right-sized and scaled down. So just like other companies, you're gonna see 2021 be the year of proving the technology, getting the right footprint, getting the right uh, concepts in place. And honestly, a lot of 2021 is gonna be working with uh, the state of California and potentially up to 15 more states that are looking at this, where we start looking at the regulations, because obviously before these things go into mass production, we need to know what all the regulations are per code. So 2021, straightforward, looking at three to five stations we hope to to put out. Then immediately after that, uh, we're planning on growing into a beautiful facility. We're hoping to do it in in Arizona. They've been very friendly with with working with hydrogen companies there, but uh, we're looking at you know moving to about forty or so stations a year in uh, 2022, and then 2023 we should be in full mode. And so our ultimate goal is to reduce a hundred stations a year and just knock those out ongoing. And we do believe we have the the technology, we have the the right staff, the resources, the the research on this. So. That's really, and it's not just us saying this, we're going to see a lot of companies in two years. So I think 2023 is really going to be the pivotal year. That's going to be the year where you're going to be on top of the wave and you're going to be able to see further and see what the future is going to hold for us. But it's going to expand globally as well. So we're just talking about the U.S. market initially. The growth in in other countries is significant interest there. But I'd like to back up. You brought up something on your, your question about you know the hydrogen economy and stuff and it's really has been a chicken and egg thing right so you know the big oil and gas companies have been a little hesitant to put too much into this but all of a sudden this year you've seen all these major announcements by these uh, the majors looking at uh, where they're going to fit into the hydrogen play long term so it's pretty exciting that we're very fortunate we're hydrogen's different than i think most different uh, new technologies, is the government understood it was a chicken and an egg. And so they invested heavily into this technology many, many years ago to get us to the point today. So a lot of companies just like us, we're only in existence because of these grants from the U.S. government. And what we're hoping to do is be able to take all the money, all the public money that was put into these grants that have funded companies like ours and flipping it around so that now the public gets to see the use what why did with so much taxpayer money get put into these things and you're going to start seeing that uh, that this is finally the output from it so we're very fortunate that it wasn't a, a chicken and egg the government put in the money the state of california has done a great job promoting this as well and so now you know we're going to see the results of of planting those seeds at a very early time
0: it's a fascinating journey we'll put a uh links to, to Gen H2 in our show notes so people can can explore more and uh, as you say this is an area where there's lots of interest and in, in investment money on the sidelines so um, I think that uh, people have a lot of interest in, in hydrogen in transportation but also your story it's been a fascinating discussion and uh, really excited to see what the future brings and perhaps we can reconnect at the end of 2021 and see how far along the journey hydrogen's got on in the transportation sector
1: absolutely no we're looking forward to that thank
0: you thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show please give us a positive review on apple podcasts or spotify To find out more about HC Insider and Human Capital, a search firm dedicated to the commodities sector, go to www.hcinsider.global, where you'll find more original content on the commodities sector and more details on our offerings as a search firm and our locations around the world. Thanks again for listening.